This is Paige Knusen with another softball edition of our Figure It Out Baseball podcast. Joining us today, we have head coach Janae Shirley of East Texas Baptist University. Shirley graduated from ECBU in 2005 with a bachelor's degree in biology going the pre-med route. She was a member of the softball team for the 2003 through the 2005 season. During her playing career, the program won two American Southwest Conference Championships and she played in two regional tournaments. After graduation, Shirley joined the coaching staff as an assistant for the 2006 and 2007 seasons. In the 2008 season, she was named head coach for ETBU and currently enters her 14th season leading the Tigers program. Coach Shirley is the all-time ETBU wins leader with 443 and has developed ETBU into a perennial NSCA top 25 program. Her program has finished third place or above every year she has coached, winning one ASC East Divisional Championship, four ASC Championships. She has led the Tigers to 10 NCAA Tournament appearances, three NCAA Regional Championships, one NCAA Super Regional Championship in 2014, and her team has appeared in 10 D3 NCAA Tournament appearances out of 12 chances she's had. She's also been to two national championship tournaments, including winning the Division III National Championship in 2010. In 2010, Shirley was named the NFCA National Coach of the Year, and her staff has twice earned the West Region Coaching Staff of the Year honors. She has coached two top nine finalists for NCAA Woman of the Year, one ASC Female Athlete of the Year, 11 NFCA All-Americans, five Poseida Academic All-Americans, and in the 2020 season, her program won the NFCA leadoff classic in Arizona, going 4-0. The program finished with a record of 15-0 and and were 6-0 in ASC conference play, finishing the season undefeated. Unfortunately, with the 2020 season being cut short, her program ended the year at number one. Coach Shirley, thanks for being on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So... You saw success at your alma mater pretty early in your coaching career. What do you think the key was to that early success and the continued success now? Well, the first key, I think, was um, being smart enough to hire good people around me. I was 23 years old when I took over the program and um, had the opportunity to hire my assistant coach slash pitching coach, who is still actually on staff now, in Bill Galloway. He was um, – He's an NFCA Hall of Fame coach. He coached at Texas A&M and Louisiana Tech and had retired from Louisiana Tech. And I was fortunate enough to get him to come over and um, basically mentor me as I went through the whole process. Um, One of the things that I felt like I was good at was like selling the university. I had a phenomenal experience at ECBU. And so I think that part of it was easy. I don't want to say the recruiting part of it was easy, but it, was in a sense that I was passionate about the university and my experience there. And I felt like I um, was able to convey that to student athletes and to their families. And so that was helpful in the process. Like early on, we um, kind of established a game plan of what it looked like to turn our program around. And we knew that the first step to that was um, finding the pitchers that could help our program go from average to competing at the national level and so that was our main focus 
the first couple of years in recruiting, we went after several really top caliber kids that we felt like if we got one of them that it would change our program, and we ended up getting all three of them. And so that catapulted us to a position pretty quickly, like after that first season, into being able to compete um, at the national level. And, you know, getting the right players is a majority of the battle. And so, um, you know, through the help of my assistant coach and um, getting the key players, it really allowed us to get to the level that we wanted to fairly quickly. So you won a national championship in your fifth year of coaching, and it was only your third year as a head coach. Can you tell us a little bit about that season and what you think it was that set that team apart from your other deep runs? Yeah, so – I mean, the two years prior to becoming the head coach, um, I had a very, very active role in the recruiting process. I did a majority of the recruiting. I did basically everything but make up the lineup card. And so, um, you know, though it looks like a three-year process, it was really a five-year process in the recruiting part of it. But um, I think the key was, I mean, obviously, we knew pitching was a huge part of it. But that team was really special in the fact that, um, that was really the key to us creating the culture that I feel like we have now. We were fortunate enough, like I mentioned before, to get those three pitchers that were top caliber pitchers. And actually that season, the number one kid of those three actually got hurt. Um, but they were all extremely close. Like we had really been able to create this mentality of they were competing against each other every day, but they were competing for each other. They truly like, believed in each other and loved each other and for kids that play the same position you know that's an interesting concept first of all but it's just a mentality that those kids really embraced and it was really in that season you know early that year I mean we didn't win our conference we like ended third in our conference that season got an at-large bid and um just kind of hit the ground running um, once we hit regionals and just never looked back, I think that that team just enjoyed each other and they played hard. And so we really got to see how sometimes, um, you know, team chemistry and camaraderie and culture can overcome maybe lack of talent in a sense. Um, we had talented players, but, you know, every team we were playing was way bigger than us. You know, the, we played Linfield that year in the championship and they had I think 80 home runs on the year and we had 20 you know we were this tiny little team from Texas and so it was just cool to see them buy into like loving each other and supporting each other and playing their part and um you know for them it wasn't about the glory that they'd get individually it was about the you know winning as a team and so that really kind of set the stage for the culture that we still have today. So you mentioned that that team had great chemistry, that they competed for each other and also against each other and saw it together. Um, Do you think that was a key because of the recruiting you did, or do you think that they just really put a lot of time and effort into building those relationships with one another off the field? Well, I do think ultimately um, if you, you know, I say it a lot, like if you recruit good kids, good kids get along with good kids and, bad ones don't get along with anybody so I think that was part of it that we just had like quality people in our program at that point 
But I do feel like that there wasn't any, like, egos brought into it. They genuinely, like, loved and supported each other. We had a relatively small team. I think we had 15 kids that year. And um, it was just really neat to see, like, we had kind of something interesting that I still to this day have never had happen as a coach. We had, you know, two really, really good pitchers that year. And the third that I mentioned had gotten hurt. But we got down to regionals. And, they had come up to my assistant, my pitching coach, and I and said, look, if we get to a point in the game where we feel like we cannot command our pitches, control our spin, whatever, we can feel ourselves, like, losing control before it actually happens, will you trust us enough that if we come over here, like, I know she can win this game for me. She knows she can win the game for me. Like, will you – will you pull us out of the game and put the other kid in? And we're like thinking, they asking us if they can pull themselves. <laughs> and so it was like just a really strange conversation, but they were like, I know she can, I know she's good. And I know that she can win this game and I trust and support her. And I can feel when I can't do what I need to do in order for us to win. And fortunately lineup wise, like one was always the DP. So they were always technically in the game at the same time. Um, and so we like, just kind of sat down and came up with what that looked like and um, trusted in them and they trusted in us that we would do it. And every game from that point forward, whenever those kids would come over to us and tell us like, you need to put the other kid in, we would. And I mean, they would finish the game. I mean, even in the national championship game, can you imagine how hard it is as a pitcher to go to the dugout and tell your coach, you need to put this other kid in to finish this national championship game um, because I want to win and I can feel like I know she can do it you know so it took a lot of like trust on both sides to just believe in that but I think that that was generally the consensus consensus that year was that those players really trusted in each other and what they were capable of doing and they just enjoyed being around each other and that was really kind of the key to what they were about. That's pretty remarkable to have two pitchers that not only can both hit for themselves and be um, good enough to serve in the DP spot, but also to be able to recognize, hey, I'm not up to par. My stuff's not working. Um, I, I, I need to come out. You know, that's, that's pretty critical to be able to pull yourself out of a game knowing that your team is relying on you and you don't want to cause problems or not be able to finish that out. Um, you know, do, do you think the fact that they were such dominant pitchers helped contribute to their batting side, or is that just a skill that they had coming into the program already? Well, really only one of them hit. So, like, one was always, like, we technically started the game with all of them in there. The the one that was – I mean, she was the year before she played outfield for us. They were both really good athletes. So, I think that was – contributed to it like they still did their position really well and they were good athletes but the following year only one of them would hit full-time she started as the dp the other kid started as the pitcher and then whoever was actually starting that game we would bring in so we always had the option to bring the other one in i don't know if that makes sense but um and so i think that them understanding you know the hitting side of it obviously made them better on the mound I mean so so often those are the kids that really understand what they're trying to do because they understand what the good pitchers do to them and so I mean I think that definitely contributed 
to them being successful. It's definitely an added weapon for you as a coach as well to have both pitchers in the game and the lineup um, and not having to burn subs necessarily as often, especially with a smaller roster that year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was we, – we literally had, like, one – one person off the bench that could hit, one person off the bench that could run. And if somebody got hurt, like we only had one catcher that year, I mean, it was really like, you know, we we made it work and those kids did a great job of just really going hard all the time. So you mentioned that season that you your team did not win the conference tournament, but, I mean, to go through regionals, win, crush opponents, and get into the national championship series, uh, your team lost the tournament opener but then won the next eight in a row. What was it like coming out of that loser's bracket, and how did you keep your team focused mentally on taking it one pitch at a time, one game at a time? Well, it was really interesting. Like, there was – we had, like, a two-week layoff from regionals or from our conference tournament to regionals where we kind of, for a week, we didn't know if we had made it. Um, So during that time, I was like, you know, we just kind of need to take a step back and step away from each other, from the game, focus on finals, do whatever. That week we didn't practice. Um, And then we found out that we got in and we gave them a couple more days off. We practiced like one or two days, but those girls really like had gotten together and sat down and they, they had actually told me this way later that they went out to the field on their own and just talked about all the things through the season that they wanted to just like throw away and they like took it all wrote it on pieces of paper and then like just tore it up and it was funny earlier in that year I had we had played in lead off classic and they I can remember them being so ticked off at me because we had played a made it to the championship game and we had played a conference opponent in the championship and we had a girl that didn't really pitch full-time for us she wasn't one of those three kids she had um just she didn't pitch much for us but she I had made the decision to pitch her because I knew that we would play that team probably eight or nine times more throughout the year we played them four times in conference we would play them in the conference tournament and so we made the decision as a staff to go with that and the kid was good I mean she like we definitely had a chance to win but those the team I was really disappointed in how they handled it because they just like laid down behind her they didn't make plays behind her they didn't believe in her and they didn't support her and I was kind of like talking to them about it's not about winning the battle it's about winning the war and today you guys didn't do what you needed to do to like win as a team it had nothing to do with who pitched or who was out there you just didn't like step up and so it was funny like we went to the regional tournament and you know, they they had lost that first game. It was kind of like a funky game. And you could see, like, something click in them. Like, they knew that they were capable of doing it. So we went through and we ended up playing that team that we'd lost to in the leadoff classic. Um, number, I think it was eight and nine. Like, it was the championship or, you know, the we had to double dip them, basically. So we beat them in that first game. So that was number eight. And I think the championship game was number nine. And after that game, it was funny. The girls came up to us and were like, okay, we get it. It's not about winning the battle. It's about winning the war. And I was just like, it took all season for y'all to figure that out. No, but it's really like they understood at that point that, one, they were capable of being there and um, capable of winning it. But 
that the whole season was set up for the moment to be successful and for them to be, you know, in the best position possible. And they really like bought into that at that point. And honestly, from there forward, it didn't really, I think that they didn't really, it went so fast. They didn't understand really what they were doing <laughs> before it was already done. You know, they didn't know that they were supposed to be intimidated by Linfield with all these, you know, gigantic players that hit multiple home runs and they had all these all Americans and we didn't have a single one on our team. And they, they just went out there and played and enjoyed it and did the best that they possibly could do. And they did it for each other. And it was really a neat thing to see. Yeah. I think as coaches, that's one of the most rewarding things is seeing uh, your players grasp, grasp the concept that you've been really trying to hammer in all season Um, And hopefully it comes sooner than a full season. Um, But, you know, especially if you're playing a conference opponent in a situation like that in the leadoff classic, you know, the leadoff classic is great. It's nice for bragging bragging rights, but that's not that ultimate war that you need to win. You know, you need that conference championship. You need that postseason win. And, you know, if you show your cards too early, that's not going to help you win that long battle, that bigger picture. Um, And also not winning that conference championship, you know, that kind of leaves a little to be desired for your players. Uh, You know, it's almost that added drive they need to get to that final step. You know, as a player, I can relate to that. Uh, When I was playing, my my team didn't win the conference championship. And you're sitting around waiting for a week or two weeks trying to find out if you're even going to be given an opportunity to be in postseason. And I think it it makes those good teams into great teams because of the fact that you have to continue working, even when no one's watching. Um, And clearly that's what happened with your players going out to the field, sitting down, writing down what they feel they wanted to flush, um, and then coming back later into that postseason and giving their all for that pitcher that they may not have had the faith in prior in the season. Yeah, for sure. So did you feel that your 2020 team this past year kind of possessed a lot of those same characteristics as the 2010 team, you know, maybe being able to go deep in postseason had we finished out or was it a completely different mindset? No, I mean, there was a lot of similarities with that team. I mean, you know, obviously I feel like we were having a great year and we had a lot of the same components. We had two really good pitchers that really did like love and support each other. There's a lot of, things that were kind of happening that was very similar, you know, can I sit here and say, oh, we would have won the national championship? No, I couldn't have said that. But, I mean, I definitely could have said that this team was going to continue to compete. And I felt like at the 15-0 and 0 point, they still were not at the peak of where they were going to be that year. Um, there was a lot of changes that happened in our program, you know, last year that I felt like, really just elevated them to the point to where they were really like kind of hitting on all cylinders. So it would have been interesting to see how it turned out, but um, you know, it was, it was still fun while they did it. And like I said, everybody, it was kind of funny after we got the call, we got back right, got back from Arizona. We're fixing to go on a conference tournament um, road trip and, or conference play road trip, and, you know, we found out that the season had been canceled, and I was getting all these text messages and things about, like, basically, like, somebody had died, and, you know, I, like, we as a program and me as a coach, we chose not to, like, take that as a negative, 
you know, I mean, one, like I mentioned before, is first undefeated season I've ever had as a coach. Like, it, it is what it is, and all of my players were still healthy, and they were given the gift of time with their families and all these things and a new perspective and a new outlook on something, a way to appreciate something that they kind of take for granted sometimes. And so that's how we were choosing to look at last year's season. I mean, it was definitely a win for us in the fact that we had a great season. We got to compete and do all those things, but also we got to walk away from it with a perspective of um, and an appreciation for what they get to do every single day. So how has this fall kind of been for your program? I mean, are your athletes on campus? Are you guys virtual for the most part? Or, you know, are your kids able to go to school in person at all? Yeah, so we are on campus, and a majority of the classes are in-person class. We have kind of a hybrid where if it's a, you know, max capacity class that half of them go, you know, one day a week, half go the other day, and they Zoom in the opposite days. But we are able to practice. I mean, obviously, it's a new normal. Like, they're wearing masks in practice, and there's some, you know, protocols that we have to go through, temperature checks and all those different things that's been a new normal. But the crazy thing about it has been is, like, you know, what we talked about, the appreciation for just being out there and the kind of love of the game has returned. You know, a majority of my players hadn't had a chance to pick up a ball since March. You know, in Texas, a majority of the high school kids, they all got to play summer ball. They played like nothing had happened. You know, they had full seasons. But my returners, you know, they were kind of cut short in the middle of season. And so on the return of that, it was really cool to see just how they appreciate, like, the energy and how much they appreciated being out there. And it's been a really fun group to coach um, because they just, enjoy playing the game and they they work hard and they do it right and we walk away from practice like I don't want to say satisfied but satisfied in the sense that man they came out there and they like invested the time that they were out there and they didn't fall short on many plays or energy or any of that stuff and so it's been really neat to see how a negative has turned into such a positive for our program that's great uh so kind of switching gears here a little bit, um, I mean, the ASC is such a tough conference. I mean, you guys are, always have at least one or two of come out of that conference going into regional play, if not three. Um, you're constantly battling with teams like Texas Tyler prior to them moving to the D2 realm, and then also teams like Texas Lutheran. Uh, what, what are those rivalries like, and how, how does that tough competition prepare you for postseason? Well, I mean, I definitely think that it it prepares you like you you can never imagine. You know, our conference has kind of switched gears over the past, you know, 14 years that I've been here. It has been, you know, for a long time. It was Louisiana College, us, and UT Tyler, like, every year battling over and over and over. And, you know, it was like the hardest games we were going to play all year were going to be those. I can remember, like, I think it was 2016 – we lost six games that year, and all six of the games that we lost were to UT Tyler, and we had beaten them three times. And I think that was the year they went on to win the national championship. So, you know, it's kind of, like, hard to sit back and watch them continue on and you be at home and be like, literally, I beat, we beat them three times. But it's one of those things that 
whoever makes it past that point, they're prepared because some of the most challenging games that you're going to face throughout the year are going to be, you know, multiple times and within your conference. And so it's fun. It definitely makes you better. Our conference, um, you know, with them leaving and a couple of changes has really changed in the fact that it's elevated that, you know, we have, instead of it just being two or three dominant teams, it's like everybody has gotten so much better. I think the success of some of the teams in our conference has driven the success of other programs and everybody's getting better facilities and everybody's bringing in better players. And um, there's so many more teams competing at the top. The quality of play across the board is just so much better. And I think as a whole, like our, we're going to continue to see teams from the American Southwest conference compete regionally and do well. And it may not be this look the same as it has in the past, but it's always going to be somebody from this conference that's going to really put forth a great effort and, you know, great teams. Well, I think that's just a testament to, like you said, the the teams, the programs that make up that conference and, and the competition that comes out. I mean, you're, like you said, whatever team comes out of that conference does make a deep postseason run usually every year. Um, just because of the preparation that goes into playing each of those programs and, you know, the battle strategy, the practice prep and the mental energy. Uh, I mean, it's all got to come together in order to get that W up on the board. Um, do you think that your conference schedule has also contributed to, you know, like the strength of schedule, um, the success of those wins and losses? Do you think that's also contributed to those national rankings each year in the top 25? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, having, you know, us and Tyler for years being in the same conference and we're, you know, an hour apart, it it really added to what we were able to do as far as scheduling. We would have teams, and this year we have several teams, St. John Fisher, Case Western, Barry. We have teams coming down to kind of play us, but it's um, it's provided us opportunities to bring in some of these you know, top tier programs and they feel like it's a win on their end because they're playing in better weather. They're getting an opportunity to play two top ranked teams and get, you know, good games in and get points or whatever, however you want to look at it and build their strength to schedule. So it's definitely added to um, how our conference has been able to move forward. And, you know, now we've added more teams that are in that top tier part of it. And so our strength of schedule continues to grow and build within our conference. And, you know, as a whole, our conference has done a really good job of scheduling their non-conference games. And so the quality of that has just really, like, helped us across the board. I definitely think that. And um, obviously your coaching staff, your assistant coaches, uh, I mean, I'm sure they have been a huge asset in, to your program. Uh, one of them I've noticed that you've added was a four-time All-American under you, Jamie Perez, uh, arguably one of the best players that you've coached. Uh, what's it like having her join your um, your coaching staff? Well, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I just love having players that have been in my program come back and be a part of our program again. I think they really understand the culture and they understand what we're about. But Jamie is just such a, like, phenomenal 
softball mind. She really understands the hitting side of it, and she's just going to be such an asset. She has actually still continued to be here on campus since she graduated. She graduated, and upon graduation, I tried my hardest to convince her to be um, a GA, and she decided she wanted to do something in marketing. And so she was actually their GA. She was still on campus, got her MBA, and did all that stuff. And she's actually been working, you know, in the admissions office for several years. And she just never felt like the draw to coach. And over the course of the past year or so, she started doing lessons and seeing the other side of it, seeing how she could impact um, athletes in a positive way and how it's not just necessarily about on the field stuff. I think she really got to see another side of it. And that really opened the door for her to be willing to come and add to our staff. And she is, she's going to, provide a phenomenal um, addition to our program as far as the offensive side of it. One, like she, I mean, she's lived it, she's done it, and the girls respect her ability and what she knows and what she's done. And on top of that, she's added, you know, just she's super organized and all those things. And she understands like how we are as a program. So her expectations are just as high as you know, what I'm expecting because she respects what our program's about and, you know, what it takes to really be successful. So that's been, I mean, we've enjoyed every moment of her being back. Do you think she'll play more of a role on the offensive side of your coaching staff or will she have specific other duties? No, I mean, she really has. I've been, um, you know, I mean, turning stuff over as a coach is, there's a lot of trust that goes into it and a lot of like just, you know, there's so much that goes into that, but she definitely has um, taken over a majority of the offensive side of it, which has been a positive thing. I feel like our players are winning so much more in that situation because instead of me being pulled 20 different directions, trying to manage every aspect of it in practice, she can focus solely on the offensive side of it and I can put more focus into the defensive side of it and they're getting like better coaching, more coaching, they're getting more attention. And so I feel like that's going to just be phenomenal for us, but she is taking over an active role in that. And, you know, it's, it's, it is still her first year coaching. And so we have walked through the process and kind of, talk through what it looks like and, you know, certain things with certain players. And so we've, it's been a really great fall, especially with the changes that they've made as far as the spreading it out and stuff, which has provided us the opportunity to sit back and, you know, do practices and then talk about what it looks like with certain players and adjustments that need to be made and, and things like that. So it's really the timing as far as that has been great because, it's allowed her to, you know, kind of jump through years of experience just in a matter of a couple of months. And, you know, she's doing a great job. And she's, like I mentioned before, the, um, she'd worked in admissions. And so she had a different idea of, like, the recruiting side of it. But she knows talent. She played for one of the top travel ball teams in the country and um, just really has a lot of connections there and has done a great job with the recruiting part of it and connecting part of it and um, you know so she's going to play an active role in you know both those sides of it for sure. 
You mentioned uh, Hall, NFCA Hall of Famer Bill Galloway, you know, your associate head coach. With, with James taking offense and you taking the defense, that kind of leaves him with pitching, which I would say is his forte. You know, what – what, what side of the knowledge has he brought to your coaching staff? How and how has he kind of helped you over the years? Oh God, I mean, it our our relationship as far as like our you know roles and stuff over the course of fourteen years has has changed. But you know, early in my career, it's like I he has such a knowledge for the game. I mean, he played men's fast pitch. He was in the game for. Oh, so many years just at a really, really high level. And so just helping me know and understand understand the game better has been, like, such a phenomenal thing. Like, he truly is a phenomenal teacher of the game, and he's always been great in that part of it when it comes to practice. He has, from the beginning, worked with our pitchers and catchers. And, um, you know, like I mentioned before, he's a great teacher of the game. So where he really allows his players to grow is, not necessarily by, okay, he has one cookie-cutter style and he's going to shove everybody into it, but he helps them understand what they're trying to get accomplished with the pitches that they're throwing and what that looks like. And you can just see their ceilings get higher and higher and their growth um, be better. And so, you know, early in my career, I think it was more about the fundamental, like, X's and O's part of it and just continue to – um, grow, but one of the things that I think that he's reminded me of or continues to push me is that he is a constant, um, continual learner of the game. You know, for somebody that has his resume and has his background and still can physically, softball wise, do more than probably 99% of us out there, um, he is always continuing to learn. And I think that just you know, I think the great coaches that you come across, they are always looking to be better and improve instead of just being stuck in their ways. They're willing to be open to other ideas or other ways of doing things. And um, ultimately it's about us doing whatever we need to do in order to help each individual player be the best player that they possibly can be. And sometimes that looks different. And, you know, every year, whether it be you change two players or 10 players, it's a di- you have to coach each team differently because it's a different dynamic and figuring that part out of, of like what we need to do in order for this team to be um, successful. He has been so phenomenal at helping me figure that out and helping me understand that. And I just have so much respect for what he's allowed me to do um, as a coach and how he's allowed me to grow, but I couldn't be more, thankful I mean I was definitely in the right place in the right time with the right people and um, I'm incredibly thankful for him and what he's done for our program and for me in my career so you mentioned that he he is always a student of the game constantly learning do you think that's the most important thing you've learned from him or is there another piece of advice that sticks out prominently in your head that you've you've learned from him no, I mean, I think that that is, like, the number one thing. Because you, you look at – and I would I would consider him an old-school coach. You think of people like that, and you just think, you know, they have their way and they're, they're stuck in it. And it's been interesting to see. I can remember, like, over the years, you know, he's, he's coached against and with some of the, like, most – I guess we'll call them famous coaches, a lot of the top B1 coaches that are still out there right now. And so I can remember – 
him running into um, a coach when we were recruiting. It was at a, a larger Division One school, and him just, you know, hey, I noticed that y'all do this on TV, and he would just ask the coach questions about it. And it was just interesting to see, like, how he took their response and, um, okay, well, how can we apply that? Is that something that we need to look at or just his perspective on it has been so cool to see that you you have to be willing to change the game and with your players. And if you're not, the game's going to pass you by. And I think that's why he was able to sustain success at a, you know, smaller school and still compete at the national level you know, and do the things that he did there. Um, it really, I think that that's a big part of it is that he was willing to think outside the box and figure out ways to win with what he had. And, you know, it wasn't always going to look the same. For sure. Uh, so I'm going to kind of switch gears now, um, look more at you. Um, you're super successful. I mean, the win record, um, the top 25 program year in and year out. Uh, I'm sure you're a busy woman, especially with two children at home and your husband helps coach with you. You know, uh, what are some personal habits that you have that you think help keep you organized both in your home life and in your professional life? Well, I'm incredibly fortunate to have like a great support system around me and be at a university that has allowed me to not have to give up being a mom and you know, I can kind of do it collectively together. They want us to be like involved with our family and they want our families to be a part of the university. And so I'm super fortunate with that. But over the course of time, I had to, I used to really just like bring stuff home and just, it would wear me out, like stress out about this player said this, or if like this is going on and just allow it to, like ruin the rest of my day, I guess, you know, and um, I think as coaches, we carry so much with us and make more out of stuff than really needs to be there. And over the course of the past couple of years, I really saw that one, that wasn't fair to my family. Um, but it also was just putting me in a constant state of just like, misery and distress and so I really had to learn to kind of drop a lot of that stuff as soon as like practice was over and this kid had irritated me or got in trouble over this or whatever I had to just like leave that stuff aside and pick it back up when on the next day or really just not make things as big as I was making them and just kind of, you know, it is what it is and be more flexible with um, what that looks like. One, for my own health and mental um, security, but also for my family. I didn't feel like that was fair for them. And um, I think that that balance has continued to get better. It's still a struggle. I mean, obviously, being a college coach and being a mom of, you know, two kids is hard, but it's been, you know, it's provided joy in the other side of my two boys have all these sisters that they look up to and they've seen grow up and, you know, the girls seen them grow up and just, you know, seeing them interact with them and have relationships with them has been, you know, very joyful and fulfilling and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. 
I'm sure as you've gone through uh, the changes in your personal life, you know, adding your kids, getting married, um, it, I'm sure it provides a deeper layer to your coaching um, philosophy and strategy, you know, um, it, it helps you care in a different way. And, you know, sometimes I feel like you can bring that into not only your, your team, but also bring it home too. You know, it, I, I'm sure it has been a huge contributor in your parenting style and your family life. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, God has definitely placed players in my program to help prepare me as a mom, you know, with it be with different um, struggles that they deal with or whatever it's, and dealing with those situations through my players has helped me in turn deal with my situations with my children. Um, I have two boys that are like polar opposite in personalities and um, demeanor and disposition and drive. And so learning how to parent them differently and what that looks like has really been something that I've learned through coaching players that had different demeanors and dispositions and drives and things like that and so it it has prepared me differently and I think early in my career I had a huge aha moment when I realized that you know I felt like I was I there was a point where I felt like I was um coaching to win not coaching to invest in people's lives and um, at that point, that's when my whole outlook of how I approach things is differently. Every day it was approached with what can this player do for me and how can this player help our program win and win, 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 as opposed to, like, how will this player's life be different once they leave here because of things that they learn in our program? And they both equal the same thing. They both equal success. It's just how we went about it was differently. It was more about what they could do for me as opposed to what I could do for them and preparing them. And through that preparation allowed them to be successful. And I think that's really changed my perspective. And it was all around the same time of having my child and thinking through, you know, when I get, I have four years with some of these players, I have four years with them and um, I want their life to look different after they leave ETBU because of things that they learned in our program. And I don't want it to be just something that it looks different because they won and they had a trophy and they had championships. I want it to look different because they now have the discipline to show up on time and they pay attention to detailed stuff and they've learned time management and they've learned how to love other people and how to serve other people and how to be leaders and how to do all these different things. And so I think that was a huge step for me in my coaching career is just knowing and understanding the difference between why I was there. Well, and I think that's why a lot of coaches do end up failing is because they push the winning factor so much. And really our jobs as coaches is to develop athletes into the best people they can be and so that they can give back to their communities and have successful jobs and family lives and um, go on to do bigger things than just play softball. Um, so, I mean, to be able to impact a player in that respect is critical and will change many's lives. Um, with with your husband being um, on staff with you, you know, having played a year at ETBU, what, what has he kind of brought into the program and what's it like coaching with him? 
he definitely um, brings a different, I would say, coaching style um, feel to the program and what we're able to do. He is so much more, I'm like, we'll say I'm high strung and just like, you know, anal and like, oh, I want things a certain way. And he is very much laid back. And, you know, I think there's a lot of our players that respond better to him because they're scared to death of me. And so I think that's great. It's great to have somebody that like, there's a, a few of my players that I know if I say something to them, their response is not going to be, um, necessarily a positive one or they're going to um it's going to help them be better but if I get him to talk to them about it that it's going to be a positive one whereas you know it's going to be different with other players and so I think Hebra provides like that balance that allows us to you know cover all the needs that our players have well that's critical for programs I mean not every not every athlete is going to respond to one coach the same as they do respond to another coach. And sometimes you need that good cop, bad cop, if you will, you know, where your head coach might be bringing the hammer down and you need that assistant to kind of come along and help clean up the aftermath. Uh, and, and that's what helps um, those athletes continue to drive forward and make those changes and adjustments and, and continue developing as an athlete. For sure. So I only have a couple more questions for you here, Coach Shirley. Uh, um, in 2016, in December, you took your team on an international mission trip to Costa Rica. Um, I guess it was the Tiger Athletic Mission Experience. Uh, the mm -hmm. team and your staff members served and witnessed to the people of Costa Rica and also got to play the Costa Rican national team, um, not once but twice. Can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you as a coach but also for your team members? Yeah, so um, around that time, we got new administration athletically and um, as far as our president at the university, and this was an initiative that they put in place, and our team was the team that was selected to go on the first trip. And, um, you know, 100% a life-changing experience. There were so many of my athletes that will never get the opportunity to leave this country and experience what life looks like other places and um you know so one it was an incredible opportunity for them but it was so humbling i think in so many like mission opportunities it's you know we feel like we're going to go over there and change the world and help so many people and really you go over there and what happens is those people change you and they affect you and it it was just a really really cool neat experience to do as a team because you know even playing the national team was like a life-changing experience because we're playing this national team and you know they have players that are 45 and they have players that are 16 and the facilities that they play on and the opportunities that they have over there are just like so minimal they have like so few opportunities to be successful and um, just support and things like that. Whereas these girls daily have the opportunity to get better and be supported and um, 
to grow in the sport. And so I think that gave them a perspective of what that looked like and the the opportunities that they have um, and how fortunate they are. And we actually stayed at a youth with a mission compound where all the missionaries like stayed. And so they, for that week had to um, live how the missionaries lived. And I thought that was like just phenomenal because they truly got to experience what those people experience every day and how um, different life is for so many people. And um, I, I think they came back with such an appreciation, not only for what they have, but just how genuine and loving people everywhere are and can be. And like I said, we had so many players that their lives were changed by people that were there and conversations that they had with people that were there, how they affected their life. And so it was just, it was phenomenal. It was really cool. We were actually set to go to South Africa in like two weeks, but obviously that trip got canceled. So hopefully soon we'll get to go on another one. Do you see them rescheduling it for maybe 2021, or do you think it'll be another four-year rotation after that? No, I definitely think that they will reschedule it sooner rather than later. Um, the whole concept of the youth or the Tiger Athletic Mission experience is that at least one time in each player's four years at the university, they'll get the opportunity to do that. Um, and so I think that you know, they want to really try to make sure that those players that didn't get the opportunity to do that do. And that's really kind of the whole mindset for them. It sounds like a pretty phenomenal experience. And obviously that does tie into us as coaches wanting our players to evolve and become better people by the time they leave the program. For sure. So, Coach Shirley, I just want to say thank you for coming on with us today. Uh, guys, this is Head Coach Janae Shirley from East Texas Baptist University, um, and thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me.